As a Christian mom to four boys, I've seen how important it is to instill the truth from God's word in them starting at a young age. So I want to welcome you to the Entrusted to Teach podcast, where we'll look more at that responsibility that God's entrusted us with to teach and train our children. I'm so excited you guys are with me. Let's dive right in. Welcome back. If you remember from my very first podcast episode, I mentioned that I'm going to be reading 12 books this year, one per month. And for the month of February, I read the book Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. I know it's weird because we're now in April, but I'm just getting to sharing about it. So Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. I loved this book. And if I am being completely honest with you, I did not even make it all the way through it. It is probably over 300 pages long. It's it's so long, but it's so packed full. There was no, I mean, I I have so many highlights and bookmarks and page marks and, and everything throughout it. I absolutely love it. I'm still working my way through it. And um, so I'm just going to go ahead and share on what I've read thus far, just kind of share the gist of it and what I loved about it and what I recommend. And please go look this book up. That's all I have to say. I do. I highly recommend it. It's amazing. It's it's so hard. I'm not even going to be able to really skim the surface of what he really gets into in this book. It is so packed with the word. I mean, verse after verse after verse. Reading this book through just is, it is a faith building book because you are literally just saturating your mind with the word and I absolutely have loved it. And so this is a book that I would say is one to keep on your shelf, buy it, keep it on your shelf, use it as a resource, refer back to it over and over and over again. I highly recommend getting yourselves a copy of this, Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. It is a fantastic book. I may end up doing another episode later on as like a part two once I completely finish the book, but I'm just going to go ahead and give you little snippets from what I have read um, up to the halfway point. So, oh man, I the, it's It was so hard to pick and choose. I, I went back through all of the places that I had highlighted and marked trying to pick and choose like what verses I was going to share and what excerpts I was going to read. And it was so difficult. I'm really trying to keep this episode not too long, um, really getting the most for you in there, but it's going to be difficult. So a top, this topic of healing has always been a passion of mine, you know, for, for as long as I can remember. And it's, it's a difficult topic, I think, for some people, um, you know, heal the this topic of healing because there are, are many, many people who maybe have seen um, situations in their lives where, where people haven't been healed or people have passed away and, and just have had these situations and circumstances that from, you know, our view are very difficult to explain. And, you know, I, I don't have all the answers to, you know, some of these hard questions, I have some questions of my own, you know, that I would like to ask God someday. But until that day, all I have to go on is the word and what the word says and what he has um, written for me. And that is what I have to hold on to. And that is what I have to believe and build my faith with. So that's what I love about this book is that it doesn't go based on man's opinions and, um, 
you know, what this person says or this person says, it literally is just bringing you back to the word, back to the word. What does God say? What has God promised? What has he done for us? What has his son, Jesus Christ accomplished for us? And, and just shows you and points out the word of God and what it says. First of all, I wanted to kind of highlight some of the chapter titles to just kind of give you an idea of what he goes through in this book. Let's see, I'll just list them off. So I won't list all of them off. There's a lot of chapters. He, he breaks it down in a lot of different sections. So first is how many will God heal? And really talks about God's will for his people. And then reasons for faith. Why more do not get healed? Asking the father in Jesus's name. If two of you shall agree. Anointing with oil. The laying on of hands. Special miracles by faith. Looking at God's word the authority of God's word, the importance of your words, Satan's defeat. These are just some of, I mean, these are not even all of them. So these are just some of the titles, but I love the way that he kind of builds. In the first part of this book, he's really working on just laying the foundation of what is the will of God so that we are firm on that. So there is no question in our mind as to what is God's will in regards to healing. Because if we're wishy-washy on that, then how can we ever expect to receive from God? It talks about that in James. Let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So in this regard, we have to be firm. We have to be sure. We have to be completely convinced of what God's will is for our lives. We can't be going back and forth in our minds. If we cannot fully know that God's will is for all to be whole and healed, then we will always just be wondering. And I love, I love, I love how much T.L. Osborne hits this point in the beginning. He hits it over and over and over again what God's will is and shows you verse after verse of what his will is for our lives in, in this, in regards to this topic. And it's, it's just building that faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So as we continue to read that word and have it in our, on in our minds, it's building that faith. That is God's will. Yes, that is God's will. That is God's will for my life. Convincing us and, and removing any doubt because where there is doubt, there, there is a lack of faith. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please him for they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He also brings up um, this verse, Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? I love that verse because it he, after giving these verses, illustrating God's will that he is a God that heals. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And, you know, verse after verse, it, he then brings up this verse, pointing out this is God's character. God's character is one where he cannot lie. He is not a man that he should lie. So if he can't lie and, and he will, he, everything he says is truth. Then when you read what his will is for us, that his will is for us to be healed. How can we not believe it? How can that faith not be built to the point where we are completely convinced? 
In one part, he says, If under the old covenant three million of God's people could be well at one time, then how much more may God's people be well today who are living under the new covenant of mercy, grace, and truth, established on better promises with a better priesthood through a more excellent ministry? He writes, When Jesus laid his hands on every one of them and healed them, he was revealing and doing the will of God for all people. Hebrews 10.7 Lo, I come to do your will, O God. John 6.38 I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Matthew 12.15 Great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Luke 6.19, the whole multitude sought to touch him, and he healed them all. When the sun was setting, all they had, all they that had any sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke 4.40 Jesus is the exact image of the Father, the perfect expression of God and his holy will. He could say, You who have seen me have seen my Father also. And he declared that his works were not his own, but the Father's that sent him. He healed all who came to him, never refusing a single individual. You cannot find a case where he said, It is not my will to heal you, or it is necessary for you to suffer for disciplinary purposes. His answer was always, I will. And this fact settles forever what God's will is in regard to sickness and health. So he first talks about God's will for us and lays out that God's will is for us to be healed. He then brings up Jesus Christ as the greatest example. Jesus Christ came to do the will of the Father. He didn't do anything but the will of the Father. And so then he points out, Time after time after time, when multitudes would come to him, when people would come to him, he healed them all. So if he was only here to do God's will, and he repeatedly healed every person that came to him and refused no one and turned away no one, then how can we argue with the fact that it is God's will for us to be healed? I was thinking about it as I was reading this book, because he also talks about... um, you know, everything that Jesus Christ came to make available for us and the salvation that we have available. And I was thinking just like, why is it so easy for people to accept that Jesus bore our sins on the cross and that we can live in freedom from sin, but not sickness? And, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe that's just my perception. But, but it seems to me, like I, it, it seems to me that people find it easier to accept that when we sin, God is sure to forgive us and that we can go to him and ask for that forgiveness and, and he wipes it away and he's forgiven us. And that's easier than receiving healing for sickness. But how does that differ from healing being available? You know, it never says in the Bible that one of them is more available than the other one. God doesn't half make something available. So he, Jesus Christ came and what he made available was wholeness, healing from sickness, from disease, and from sin. Completely. Not halfway. He covered it completely. There's nothing that he did not cover through his sacrifice. The author writes, Jesus himself is a revelation of the will of God. He did the will of God. He healed all who came to him. 
He has an unchanging priesthood. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. He also really hits on that power that we have in the name of Jesus Christ, which is amazing. And I think it's very easy to take it for granted and to really not appreciate and fully comprehend the power, the weightiness that is the name of Jesus Christ and what power there is behind that name. He writes, Let us rather declare war on every form of sickness and take authority over every form of demon power through the name of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, God also has given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven, angels, and things in earth, men, and things under the earth, demons. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 13 and 14. Another one, whatever you shall ask that father in my name, he will give it to you. John 16, 23. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. It is not something that we can take for granted. It has been given to us. We can use his name with authority and confidence knowing that there is power And wait behind his name. Every knee should bow. The author also really talks about this um, faith and really goes into what it is. First, of course, you know, he went to Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is expecting God to do what you know he has said in his word that he will do. Faith is believing that God speaks the truth. And I really love um, this part he goes into. He talks about the obedience that comes with faith. Obtaining the fulfillment of his promise is more a matter of obedience than of conscious faith. Faith is doing what God tells us to do than expecting God to do what he tells us he will do. Noah built the ark. God flooded the earth. Moses stretched out the rod. God, God parted the waters. Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho. God pushed them down. Elijah smote the waters. God parted them. Elisha threw the stick in the river. God made the iron to swim. Naaman dipped seven times. God healed the leprosy. These examples are so amazing because these men of God extended their faith. They acted in faith. They took action, knowing, expecting, That as they did their part, God would fulfill his. As they obeyed what God told them to do and acted in faith, God would deliver. And every single time he did. And that's, I mean, those are just a few records. And when you read through the word, there are countless, countless records of that happening. When God instructed them to do, believers to do something, and they acted in faith, not wavering, not doubting, God delivered. That deliverance came. God came through every time. He never left them hanging. The other aspect of faith that he really touches on is how we direct our eyes away from the circumstances, the things that we may physically see, 
with our five senses in the natural world, in the natural realm, and how we direct our eyes to what God has promised. Faith is really looking past the circumstances, really just having that expectation of what God has already promised us, that God promised us it. It's not a matter of whether or not it's going to happen. It already has. He has already done it. So even if in the physical realm, in the five senses, it seems like nothing has changed, you walk out as though it has. You walk out knowing with full confidence that your deliverance has already been wrought. Your deliverance has already come to pass. And that is walking out in faith, knowing that you have received what God has promised. Faith does not consider what the natural eye can see, what the natural ear can hear, or what the physical body can feel. Faith heeds only God's promise. The natural eye sees only the great walls of Jericho. The natural ears hear only the taunting of the enemy. But faith sees the walls fallen and the enemy conquered. See Joshua 6. The natural body feels the gnawing pains of the cancer, but faith sees it dried up and consumed by the healing power of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Exodus 15.26 The natural eye sees the blackness of the clouds hanging low overhead. The natural ears hear the blast of the thunder, but faith quietly commands, Peace, be still. Mark 4.39 The natural eye sees the flesh consumed by disease. The physical hand feels the fever burning away the tissues of the body. But faith sees the sickness as a part of the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28.22 Faith sees the power of sickness abolished at Calvary where every sufferer was redeemed. Galatians 3.13 In the name of Jesus, Faith commands the disease to leave its victim, then walks out of the room with the quiet assurance that what the Bible says shall come to pass. They shall recover, the Lord shall raise them up. Mark sixteen eighteen, James five fifteen. Faith lives in the light of anticipated results. It does not look at or live in bondage to present circumstances, but rather it overrules circumstances and determines destiny by walking in the light of promised accomplishments. We could sum up the matter by quoting the command of Jesus, Have faith in God, Mark eleven twenty two. Faith will always move the hand of God. Faith always possesses. Faith is a persistent force. Faith relies on the ability of God. Faith knows no defeat. Faith thrives on a test. Faith never argues. Faith never gets excited. Faith never brags on itself. Faith is never nervous. Faith never trembles. Faith is never overpowered. Faith looks directly to the Word of God. Faith knows what God has said because it has been born by the Word of God. Faith knows that what God says is a revelation of what it is His will to do. Faith accepts God's word as final. Faith claims that word and steps out on it. Faith possesses the promises. Faith demands results. Faith claims its covenanted rights. When reason argues, when one fears, trembles, and becomes nervous, faith stands steadfast and immovable because it knows what God has said. That settles the matter with faith. 
Faith is invincible. Faith is irresistible. Bring your request to him and leave the results with him. Another excerpt from his book that is so powerful. These are just tiny snippets in this book. I have barely even gone into barely anything of what he's really covered and and what he's gone into. And I can tell you from experience of reading this book how much it has built my faith in reading through these verses, verse after verse after verse, establishing God's will for us, establishing the authority we have in the name of Jesus Christ. Another point that he hits on is the importance of our words, which if you've listened to any of my other episodes, you will probably realize that it's one of my favorite topics, as I've mentioned. And it stresses the importance of making what you say what God says. Line our mouths up with what God's mouth and the word says. You know, what he speaks, what he's given to us. Let's make a goal to not let anything that is contradictory to what God says come out of our mouth. We are never wrong when we quote God. My husband kind of gives me a hard time sometimes because I'll pick up mannerisms or, or, or really sayings um, of people that I'm hanging out with. So, you know, if I'm hanging out a lot with a specific one of my friends and I, I come home and I start kind of integrating in a saying that this person says, he'll be like, okay, who are you hanging out with? And I'll be like, what? And he'll be like, you're saying, you know, whatever it is, whatever the saying is. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I've been hanging out with, and he's like, oh yeah, they definitely say that. So, and so he, it's like kind of a joke because I'll kind of pick up these little sayings, you know, whoever I'm around. And that happens with almost anybody. The more you spend time with somebody, the more that you're around them, you pick up on the little things that they say and the little uh, mannerisms that they have. And it just kind of becomes integrated into how you speak and what you do. And it's the same thing with the word as we really spend time in the word and really spend time learning God's heart, learning God's language, the way he speaks, what he says, that then starts to be what comes out of our mouth. That starts to be our lingo. His lingo becomes our lingo as we just are saturating ourselves with the word and as we are just putting it on in our minds. That becomes what starts coming out of our mouth. Those are just a few snippets from this book. And that's only, you know, I've only, like I said, have really only gotten through half of the book. I still am working on the second half. And what I've given you are just tiny little passages, tiny little quotes here and there from the book. It's barely touching on everything that he goes over. There's so much, there's, there's so much packed into this. And it's so hard to really even convey to you everything that he touches upon. There's so much in it and it is convicting because it really addresses thoughts that you have that are contrary to what God says. It is powerful and gives you verses to really put in your arsenal and, and hold on to and bring up in your mind and really use when thoughts of doubt try to creep in. It is a treasure of truth and I highly recommend going and buying it, even if you can't sit and like really read through it, you know, in one, I don't want to say in one sitting, but if 
you know, if you really just use it as a resource to go to when you need it, to, to when you need to be bolstered up, when you need verses that you're really going to be able to put on in your mind what God's will is for you, what Jesus Christ has done for us, what his sacrifice made available for us, what authority we have in the name of Jesus Christ. There is so much in this book, so much um, of God's word that as you read it and put it on in your minds, your faith is built you, you now have that power of the word backing up. You now have, um, the word that you can confess and, oh, it's, it's, I, I, I can barely, I can barely find the words to really convey to you. Um, and I know that in this specific episode, I didn't really hit a lot on, um, being a mom. I know this podcast is, is centered around entrusted to teach and teaching your children and training them, but, for me, it's kind of, it it kind of is self-explanatory, but this book is everything in this book. We need to be teaching our kids. Okay. We need to get it solid in our hearts and minds. We need to build that faith and have that confidence in God and what his will is for us. And then we have to then convey it and teach our kids. And this is a fantastic book to, to pull out and teach our kids you know, when they're facing difficulties, when they're facing challenges, we bring it back and we, there's so much in this book that we can use to teach them and to train them and, and to really illustrate to them what God's will is for them, who their savior is, you know, who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us and what, you know, what he's made available And then the authority that they have in the name of Jesus Christ, they can start getting, understanding this now. We can start communicating this to them now, that they have power in the name of Jesus Christ, that Satan is defeated. Satan is under our foot. Satan has no power, no foothold. He has been defeated and they need to know that now. And we can start teaching them that now. So Satan cannot come in and get strongholds in their lives. So Satan cannot come in and start to take, um, take ground in their life that they have been, um, taught God's will for them, that they have taught what power they have from the very beginning, from when, from the time when they are young, that they start, Um, having that foundation now that they can stand against the enemy when he comes after them, when he tries to take ground and they will say, oh no, they will be able to stand against him and say, in Jesus name, you have no power here. You have no authority. You have to bow in the name to the name of Jesus. You have to bow. These things that we um, as moms build in our hearts, these truths from God's word, it, any truth that we are we ourselves are hiding in our hearts from God's word is something that we can impart to our kids. Never underestimate what they can learn. Never underestimate what they can glean um, in terms of spiritual truths. God will show them. God will reveal to them. God will speak to them. We do our best to impart those truths to them and, and God will continue to show them and teach them as they continue to grow. But I really hope that you... Go and look this book up, go buy it, read it, hide these words in your heart. And I really hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Um, I'm going to be probably doing another book episode coming up. I'm going to try to do one with my sister. We both read the same book um, recently, praying the scriptures for our children or praying the scriptures for your children. 
which was another phenomenal book. I cannot wait to share on that one. And so I think we're going to do a joint podcast together. We're going to try to figure it out. She's in Montana and I'm in Florida. So we'll see how that ends up working out, but we would love to share on that book. So that's our goal for the next episode. I really hope you enjoyed this. Have a wonderful week, ladies.